This episode is proudly sponsored by Vividly. Hey, welcome to Rock Your Midlife, where we give you the tools you need to raise your vibe and rock your midlife. And today's show is super special. You are going to get inspiration and empowerment that you need to create a joyful, inspiring midlife experience. Because we are talking to the amazing Alicia Fernandez Miranda about her new book, which is my What If Year. So what if you gave yourself a second chance? What if you decided to take a midlife gap year, a break from your life to explore your dream career, those things that you always wanted to do. You remember when you were like a kindergartner or a middle schooler and you thought, you know what? Yeah, I want to I wanna dance on Broadway. You know, I want to be an art dealer. I want to be a chef. Well, what if you took some time to actually explore those things? Well, on today's show, we are going to share how you can do exactly that. Um, and I want to let you know that today's show is sponsored by Vividly. It's a platform that empowers women to transition, edit, and flourish through midlife. You can check them out at livevividly.com. If you are looking to transform, it is a great place to be. So I've been thinking about this topic a lot. I was actually writing an article for um, Crunchy Tales, which is a online magazine for midlife women about rage. And I was thinking about, gosh, so many midlife women explode because we put our needs last. We do everything for everybody else. We don't explore those dreams, those passions, those things that we always wanted to do. And I think this can lead to rage. It can lead things like the quintessential midlife crisis where maybe you decide to sort of, you know, act out, get that divorce, get that tattoo, do that thing. But there is a better way. You know, it really starts with letting go of who you think you're supposed to be and embracing who you are. It's really about harmonizing the dance of your life with the song in your heart, really listening to your intuition and saying, my goodness, what are those things I always wanted to do? And then having the moxie to actually take those steps. And it can be totally transformative. And midlife really is the time to make your dreams a reality. But you have to get out of your comfort zone. You got to face your fears. You got to face those stories in your head, what people are thinking about you. They're actually not thinking about you. But I know we all think about that. I know when I bought my home in Costa Rica, I'm thinking, what are people going to think? She just went for a vacation and bought a house. Or when I you know, think about all of the things that I've done and I see my clients do, they're really scared of what people are going to think if I quit my job and I start something new, or if I write that book, go on that trip, you know, change where I live, what are people going to say? And they're not really thinking about you, but it is a very scary thing. And our guest today, Alicia Fernandez Miranda, is going to inspire us to really take those steps to flourish at midlife. She's the author of My What If Year. It's a memoir about four internships, two kids, three countries, and one life-changing misadventure. Uh, Alicia has been featured on Good Morning America, CNN, MSNBC, and NPR, and she is the host of podcast Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda and the award-winning Quit Your Day Job. 
And she is also uh, chair and former CEO of IG Advisors, which is a social impact intelligence agency that consults with the world's biggest nonprofits, foundations, and corporations on philanthropy and social initiatives. She's definitely a mover and a shaker. She's a graduate of Harvard and the London School of Economics, and her writing has been featured in Vogue, Marie Claire Insider, Romper, and Huffington Post, and originally from Miami. She currently lives in Scotland. Talk about like making your dreams a reality <laughs> with her husband and two 12-year-olds, two tweens. Well, welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Alicia. Thanks Ooh. for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited about this conversation. I'm so excited that our book covers are basically twins yeah. themselves. And I'm just so in favor of all of this. I do feel like midlife for me is becoming this time of renaissance. And so I'm all about sharing that positivity, paying it forward. So yeah, I'm glad to be here. All right. Well, let's get into it. I mean, it's so interesting because Google needs to catch up. Like you cannot Google midlife without it being conjoined with crisis. Like, can we stop <laughs> with the crisis already and get on with the whole second chapter of life. It's really important. That's why your book and my book, all the books out there that are really um, showing women how to do it are so important. So let's first talk about how you got started. Where did this crazy idea of doing these internships come from in the first place? It's funny because I did call it my like early midlife crisis. <laughs> that was what I called it to, to a lot of people because then they sort of understood uh what, what I was trying to do. So, you know, it was kind of back in 2019, I was really at the top of my game. I had done all of the things that I set out to do on my big grand life to-do list, the husband and the kids, and I was living in London. I was running my own business. And, you know, I just, I felt this kind of gnawing and ongoing dissatisfaction with my life that kept growing and growing and growing this really terrifying feeling of what if, there's, this is it. Like, am I just doing this forever, every day? Am I going to stop learning new things? Am I going to stop trying new things? And I'm just like, this is it. This is me settling into middle age. And my 40th birthday was right around the corner. And so I just, uh, it, it got worse and worse until it got so bad that I knew I had to do something about it because there were all of these risks to not doing anything, but, uh, or all of these risks to doing something, but I thought the risk of not doing something was going to be great. So I had this idea that had been like formulating in my head, mostly based on a lifelong love of musical theater and Broadway. And I just thought, God, it would be incredible to be an intern on a musical. I would do anything anybody ever wanted me to do, get coffee, uh, scrape gum from under seats, fold playbills, just to be part of a musical, to be part of that process. And so this idea was born of what if I did actually go try to be an intern on a musical. And then it sort of snowballed into all these other things I had always dreamt of doing when I was a kid. Yeah, it's really true. I mean, most women I meet in midlife, they do, they've got this inkling, like, is this all there is? And what they end up doing is like five, six o'clock hits and they do the wine and cheddar party to try to kind of quell that part of themselves that's saying, no, no, your soul's like crying out and saying, come on, let's do this thing. So how did you get the courage? And also I would love to know what is it, what was the musical that you were part of? How'd you get the courage oh, well. to go and do it? I mean, I I think I've always been like a very go-getter kind of person. And once I make a decision to do something, that is, I'm, I'm just going, I'm going full steam ahead. Doesn't mean I can never change my mind, but the hardest part for me was actually making the decision that I was going to pursue this. And so 
you know, it just, I had been kind of noodling this idea for probably nine months, you know, thinking, gosh, I should really do this. I couldn't possibly do this. There was so much at risk. It was about leaving my kids for a long period of time and my husband taking this time off from my job that didn't feel possible for me. You know, all of these really big, big things that were more than the wine and cheese at five, or as I like to do them before, you know, uh, a tap dancing class, tried to learn French on Duolingo. Like I was like, a hobby is going to save me from all of this. And, uh, and it really just finally got to the point where it was my husband actually who turned around and said to me, you just, you have to stop talking about this. You have to stop crying about this and you just need to do it. Just get up and do it. Go block off the time in your calendar for your first internship and get it done. So that was really the clincher for me was, you know, him kind of pushing me out of the nest a little bit. And that was really helpful. So once I had that, then I had like a plan. I was able to make a plan and kind of take these practical items off of my list. And so that was much easier for me to deal with than the big, oh God, should I do it? Should I not do it? Well, you are so lucky to have a husband like that. I can't <laughs> imagine that a lot of husbands would just be like, come on, honey, go and go out to Broadway. He was and do tired of my whining, but yes, he is, he is amazing and very supportive in that way. That's incredible. Um, we'll have to have you back and talk about how you met him and how, how that all unfolded too. Because <laughs> I know a, that, is, are- that is actually a great story. Um, and you asked about what, what musicals. So I was uh, working on two musicals in New York. One was about to open a Broadway production called Flying Over Sunset at Lincoln Center. It was a brand new musical that uh, was supposed to open in uh, April 2020, but ended up opening in, I think it finally opened in October 2021. Um, and then, uh, the other was an off-Broadway musical, which is where I was spending most of my time, Assassins, which is a Stephen Sondheim, John Weidman show. It was being revived by the Classic Stage Company. So cool. And tell us about the other internships, because I know there were, were four altogether. Yes. So I just, I didn't stop. I did one. I still want to intern all the time. This is like part of my problem now is I want to keep interning. But uh, in the period that the book is covering, I also interned for a retro dance and fitness company. Does virtual? They were doing virtual fitness during the pandemic. Um, I interned for a contemporary art dealer. So buying and selling very high-end paintings and sculpture. And I interned at a beautiful hotel and restaurant on the Isle of Skye in Scotland. As in everything. I yeah. did everything. And what did you learn about yourself through this process of interning and leaving your day job and following your heart? I mean, first I learned I should never be a waitress or a dance instructor. There was a lot of (laughs) ruling out future careers because I was so bad at trying some of these things. But actually one of the biggest things that I learned was that uh, it was okay to do things I was bad at if I was enjoying them, if I was learning from them, that I didn't always have to be the best at everything and that I had made so many decisions in my life on the basis that I was going to do this because I knew I could be really good at it. And that was one path to take and one way to go. But one of the biggest things that came out of this for me was that there's so much value and richness to doing stuff I am bad at and maybe never going to be good at because that's really how I got out of my comfort zone, how I pushed myself to do better and be better. So that was huge. I mean, I learned, you know, so much. You basically, if I had listened to you, I probably never would have had to do these internships if I had heard you before I started, because everything that you were sort of saying in your introduction were things that came to me, this idea that I had to get out of my comfort zone, that I had all of these ideas in this narrative about myself, what I was good at, what I was capable of, what I should be doing, what other people thought I should be doing. 
that didn't need to rule my life and rule my decisions any longer. I'm a grown woman. Like I can do things different if I wanted to. So, so much about my life changed as a, as a part of this process, but I just, it was a huge kind of opportunity to really reevaluate myself and know that I was capable of so much more than I was letting myself do and kind of be. And I love that you got outside your comfort zone about having to be good at things. Cause I think we get to a certain age and we're good at certain things. Like, you know, I'm learning to play ukulele. I'm learning to draw. Yes. I'm doing ukulele lingo for Spanish. And I kind of suck at those things. It's not in my comfort zone, you know, things like writing, dancing, speaking, that stuff I've always done, but it's really hard, you know, at 40, 50, even 60 something to go, okay, I'm going to try something that I can't do. I pole dance the other day. That was crazy. It's like, this is really hard, but um, yeah. How do we get over that? You know, fact, especially someone like yourself who's so high achieving, you know, going to Harvard, which is, you know, the best of the best and London school of economics and being, you know, super successful, your career all of a sudden going with being a beginner and not being good at something. How did you get the moxie to really step up to the plate and do those things that you weren't skilled at? I'll tell you what, I didn't think I was going to be so bad at them before I started. <laughs> Take it, you make it, right? I was very naive. You know, I went in thinking I have been CEO running my own business. I've got two degrees. I'm a smart and capable woman. I am going to be able to go into any environment and figure out what to do and how to do it. And, but I went in also recognizing that I didn't have the expertise or the kind of sector knowledge. And so it wasn't about going in and being like, I, I can do everything better than all these people. It was more about going in and thinking, I'm here to learn from these people, but secretly I'm pretty sure in a few weeks, I'm going to be the best intern they've ever had. Of course, because how could I not be the best intern they ever had? And I very quickly from my first day at my first internship just realized how, um, how far away from the shallows I had swum even the vocabulary was different. The rules of, you know, and, and, you know, the, for my very first internship was with these musicals and you've got all of these union rules that kind of govern the, the day and the breaks people can take and what they can do and who can be in the room when, and I'm just like a bull in a China shop, like not knowing anything. I'm sitting in the wrong seat. I'm getting the wrong snacks for people. You know, I was screwing everything up, but I was, simultaneously so excited to be there. It was so joyful to be in this totally different environment, to be doing something so different. And for me, a real lifelong dream to be part of a musical. That's not something I had ever, you know, thought I would be able to do. And that outweighed the shame of being so bad at things. And I think that it was, it was okay because I was bad at these things and the world didn't fall apart. And by the way, I was an intern. So the show didn't even fall apart because no one was really relying on what I was doing to like, you know, make sure everything was a success. And perfection is so overrated. I have just to say, if you heard that alarm in the background, my phone just exploded from some kind of national test. Oh, I don't you were saying that, but- Oh wait, did you check? Like there's, not, there's not like an emergency happening. No, no, there. no, we're okay. good. It was, just, it was just a test. But I think so often we want everything to be perfect. And, you know, we've got all this Virgo perfection energy instead of just saying, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to see what's here. And I love that you said excitement, right? Because so much of the work that I do is about helping women find what I call quantum joy alignment, like shifting your vibration. So you are joyful. You are excited. You like jump out of bed in the morning. How many of us 
drag ourselves out of bed in the morning and we're doing the same old, same old. So if you're listening, you've got to shift something. So I'm curious, what would you say to a woman who's like listening to you going, this sounds great, but I can't just like leave my job, do that. I don't maybe have a support of a spouse, but how do you take a first step? What would you recommend that someone does to kind of, you know, have a year of what if, so they can start to approach some of those things that they always wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I will say that I'm, it's, I would never knock my tap dancing and my Duolingo French because um, I think those were very important steps on the journey. For me, I needed a bigger shakeup. That is what I needed at that time. But I actually think that things like that, that bring you joy, that connect you with this person that you were and maybe have lost or maybe a person that you want to be and haven't been yet. You know, there are so many opportunities to do that. You can like microdose a what if you're all year long, basically. And maybe it is learning a new skill or learning a new language. You know, maybe it's taking a trip you've always wanted to trip, maybe to go on. Maybe it's buying a house in Costa Rica if that's, you know, what's going to be part of your fantasy. But, you know, I think step one is to really to figure out what it is you want, right? You have to listen to yourself. And I had not done that for years. You know, it's no coincidence that I finally was able to reflect on what I was doing and take these steps when my twins hit eight years old and they were in school, they were reliably like, you know, feeding themselves and, you know, they could function as individuals outside of the home more or less. And that was the first time since they were babies and toddlers and preschool age kids that I had had the headspace to say, what, what is it that I really want? Am I happy? Am I not happy? So step one is finding the space to ask yourself those questions and figuring out. And then when you figure out what the thing is, the next thing that's going to happen is you're immediately going to figure out a hundred reasons why you can't do it. And I think it is important to interrogate how many of those reasons are real practical reasons. Like my spouse would never be able to care for my kids for a period of time for me to go away and do this. Or, you know, financially, this is too difficult for me. Maybe I'm a carer or I have other responsibilities. And how many are just because you are afraid and you are scared and you're worried, as you were saying at the beginning of what other people are going to think about you, that fear was really big for me. It stopped me for a while. And it wasn't until I was able to realize that that was kind of the only reason I wasn't doing some of these things that I was able to move forward. And then just do it. Like close your eyes, hold your nose and jump in because chances are, even if you try the thing and it doesn't work out, you will have an extraordinary experience just trying something new. Just the sheer effort of doing something different is worth it, whether or not it works out the way you thought it was going to work out. Yeah. And it also changes your relationship with fear. I find that every time I step outside my comfort zone, I do that thing that scares me. I look back and I think, what were you scared of? Totally. And that is a feeling that I love. I have realized that the feeling of being terrified of something and then if not mastering it, because there's some things like paddleboarding, I will never master no matter how many times I do them, but not being afraid and being able to look back and know there was a me who was afraid of that. And now I am no longer afraid. There is like no better feeling. That is the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is that feeling of wanting to try the thing I have been afraid of and being able to then be on the other side of that and be like, yeah, I did that. I did that. Well, paddleboarding is a good metaphor too, because I found the thing that kept me from being able to paddleboard was being scared of falling into the water. 
Once I fell into the water, I'm a great swimmer and realized falling into the water is no big deal. You can get back up on the board. I was fine, but I was on the board and I'm like shaky. I don't want to stand up because I was afraid of falling in the water. Just like let yourself fail. Totally. And it, by the way, the risk of that is much bigger here in Scotland. It's not Costa Rica. So when you (laughs) fall in the water, I don't know if you paddleboard in Vermont in the winter, but it's cold. (laughs) No, it's ice. So we we can't paddle more in Vermont. We can walk on the water in in depending no. on how cold it gets. So, but I'm it curious. is it is good. It is a good metaphor. Yeah. What what would you do? What would you have done differently? Now knowing what you know now, looking back at your internships and your your what if year, anything you would have done differently? I'm so happy with how things turned out, even though everything was not perfect and nothing was that I expected was as I expected because. I set off for my first internship on February 29th, 2020. And anybody That's looking start, at their right? calendar will be able to see what happened very shortly after. So everything that happened was, all of my plans were completely upended because of the pandemic, everything. It's a kind of incredible. I do really think how incredible that I got to do this in spite of all of that. And so, you know, it was a journey, but I think, I wish I wouldn't have waited so long, you know? I think, gosh, I could have been here three years ago, four years ago. You know, I waited a long time and you could say, maybe I just waited until I was ready. Maybe I wasn't ready before then, but I did. I felt like I dithered, dithered, dilly dallied. Like I spent a long time just thinking I had the idea. I knew how I would do it. I knew what I wanted to do and I didn't do it because I was afraid. And I kind of wish I hadn't waited so long because that was time I could have been doing something else I wanted to do, but I'm not really like a look back and regret sort of person. So I'm pretty happy with the way things turned out. Yeah. That's great advice though. When you look at books, like the regrets of the dying, it's always like, I wish I had done that thing before it was too late. So if you're listening, whatever that thing is, whatever, whatever you are seeking is truly seeking you. And the world needs you to go out and do those things. And you need to do those things. I mean, I think that we're here to make a difference in the world. And then we're also here to experience life to the fullest. But that fear really does get in the way. So I'm I'm really curious. The book is marvelous. So again, the book is my what if year, very well written, a fun book. It almost feels like, you know, like you're reading fiction, like you're long with you for the ride. Did you have the intention to write the book when you thought about starting this journey? I mean, no, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, uh, in the very kind of first ideation of this, in the first scene in the book, you know, one of my best friends from college had said to me, yeah, you should write a book about this when you're done. And I I kind of adopted that stance with some people because when I was explaining it to people what I was doing, there was still that fear of their judgment when I was saying it to the other parents at school or, you know, clients that I wasn't going to be able to staff for this short period of time because I was going away to do this internship. And so I just kind of got in the habit of saying to people, oh, and I'm going to write a book about it after it's done, because that seemed justifiable. Like the idea that I was just going to go pursue this for my own personal growth and development was very transgressive to people. But once I said, oh, I'm going to write a book about it, they're like, of course, that's a project. Just like, oh, that's totally fine. You know, it'll be, it's your eat, pray, love. Like everybody, it's your eat, pray, love. They got that. But I had never written a book before. I hadn't done any creative writing since high school, probably. Um, but I've always loved reading, really loved reading. And I did enjoy writing so much when I was younger. And so uh, I took very detailed notes during my first internship because I was keeping a journal. Every night I would go and just write everything that happened. And more than anything, it was because 
I didn't know if I'd ever have the chance to do this again. I knew I was doing something special and I wanted to remember it. I wanted to record it for posterity. And then, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't read the book, which I told you the date already, so you can probably guess, my first internship got cut short. I had to rush home. We went up to uh, our house in the Isle of Skye in like the most rural part of Scotland. My husband was like, sure, the entire, everything was gonna come crashing down. And uh, then it sort of did, not as bad as he thought it was going to be. But, you know, I had all of these notes and this just sadness about having left in the middle this opportunity that was everything I had ever wanted. I was worried for the people that I had been performing with who were completely out of work. I was worried about my family in the US and didn't know when I would get to see them again because they had stopped the flights. And there was so much sadness. And I found that by writing about this, which again, I have to give credit to my husband. He was like, why don't you write about what happened in New York? I was like, that's such a terrible idea. It's too raw. It's too emotional. I couldn't possibly. Then the next day I was like, you know what? I think it would be really cathartic if I wrote about what happened in New York. <laughs> so sorry. Sorry, Carlos. He gets a lot of, a lot of flack from me, but um, I wrote about it and I just, I loved it. And once I started writing, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. It was such an amazing way to process what I was going through, to process the pandemic around me, to try to make sense of what I was going to do after, because I started the year with no agenda. I didn't, I thought I was going to go do the internships and go back into my regular job and my regular life. So it was so, I just loved it. I loved it so much. So I sometimes say that writing was my fifth secret internship because uh, it was sort of a surprise. And I just, I took, I just found so much joy in it in every part of the process. I loved it so much. Yeah. And it's so much fun too, when people read your book, I know when I hear, you know, I look at reviews and people say, wow, this book really is helping me. I think that's another whole piece that bears on the whole other level of joy. So I love your energy. What are you doing post book, post internships to really continue to appreciate your life and cultivate this very high vibe sense of joy that you have? Hard drugs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do they have those? Um you have those in Scotland. They don't have those in Scotland. They don't, of course not. Yeah, of course no, not. And I'm, I'm a just good, lots of I'm lots of beer. I may lots have done my internships, but I'm still I'm still a very good girl. Um, you know, it is like a daily. It's a daily practice, I think, because I did all the internships. I wrote about them. I made a lot of big changes in my life. I moved. I quit my job. You know, I started doing all of these new things that I now had space for, and <laughs> so. <clears throat> On a practical level, a lot changed. And then I was faced with like the day-to-day -day reality of how do I, you know, exist. I knew all the things I needed to do to keep this joy, to keep this energy, to keep this enthusiasm. But then, you know, you're getting back into like the routine of normal life. And so it's hard to keep it going. So honestly, it is an intentional, it's like a choice that I make every day in every decision to continue to revisit those lessons that I learned to say yes to the thing that makes me feel a little bit afraid, to say no to the thing that I know I'm only doing because somebody else wants me to do and it doesn't really feel like the right thing to be doing. And I know if I say yes to that, I am saying no to things in the future that I would potentially want to do. And I do not get it right all of the time, but I try, I put the effort in and I kind of know where I'm supposed to be. So if I'm varying too far from what I know is, peak Alicia, like when I'm feeling I'm in the flow, like I'm doing what I want to be doing, I'm doing what I love, then it's a good opportunity to sense check. And sometimes life gets in the way. I cannot be peak Alicia all the time, but I think it is every, it's every day making the choice that this is how I want to live my life, that those 
lessons were not a flash in the pan. They are really fundamental things and they are changes that I want to sustain, but it's hard. It's hard to sustain change over a long period of time. So not hard drugs, but uh, a lot of encouragement. And, you know, I, I'm very, I, I think a lot about what I'm doing. I'm a lot careful. I'm a lot more careful than I was in choosing how to spend my time and my energy to make sure I'm keeping it, you know, I'm keeping those little bits like safe for myself. Yeah. So it starts with mindset. It starts with choosing to be joyful, to be happy, to step outside your comfort zone. If you're listening, this is so true. I mean, you are the heroine of your journey. I'm a big Joseph Campbell fan, right? So we are actually creating our reality every single moment by our thoughts, by our actions, by our behaviors, by what emotions that we choose. It doesn't mean we're going to be like happy and joyful every second things happen, but it means that, you know, you wake up in the morning with gratitude, with this sense of like, I care about myself enough to do those things to create a life that love, but it is a choice. But I know, I think it's so much easier, um, as challenging as it is to choose to step outside your comfort zone. I think it's so much better than the alternative of staying stuck and staying, you know, really stuck in depression. As I was saying earlier, I think the rage comes up because anger is a higher vibration than depression. And women at midlife have the highest level of depression for any group for our age and our gender. And I think part of that is perhaps chemical because of changes in hormones and lack of sleep and things like that. But it's also because, you know, we're so disempowered because we're not thinking about choosing our own destiny and what it is that we want to do. And I love that you said too, that you got to say yes to yourself and no to other things. You've got to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to volunteer for that. And I'm not, you know, I have to tell my family, you know, yeah, you have to help around the house a little bit. Mom's got some other things going on, but we have to say no to other people, which is saying yes to ourselves. Um, So any other thoughts about, you know, again, I want to give people really concrete things that they can do to start. Yes. You had said earlier that, you know, you don't have to quit your job. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but any thoughts about getting over this fear and getting started in this process of, of having a, my what if year, and of course I think about Shona Rhimes book, you know, my year of yes, which I'm sure Mm -hmm. you thought of that too, of just like she said, I'm just going to say yes. When you start to say my what if year, you start to say yes, asking these big questions and saying yes to yourself really opens up the door of opportunity. Any sort of final sort of thoughts and suggestions for someone who's listening and really is like, you know what? Yeah, I want to step outside my comfort zone. I want to have a more colorful life, live in a foreign country, you know, do an internship, have some adventures. What would you say? I mean, I think there's two things I would say. I think one is to surround yourself with people that are going to say yes with you and encourage you. Um, I am very lucky that my husband has done that, but I have an incredible group of women friends who do that for me. Sometimes it's just on WhatsApp, but it is like a like an encouragement group. And, you know, the very first time I ever said out loud that I wanted to do these internships uh, was to two of my best friends and this girl's weekend in London. And they both, they were so supportive and encouraging and exciting. And, oh, let me introduce you to this person. And, oh, let me, you know, I've got this idea. And I think if they had turned around and said to me, you know, that's a really stupid idea. You shouldn't do it. I don't know that I would have done it, but because I had this group who were just there cheering me on and encouraging me to take chances, I am so grateful for them. Whoever those people are in your life, find them, connect with them, get on a text chain and support others the way you want to be 
supported. And, you know, it is such a beautiful thing. I think that kind of friendship and community, and I feel so grateful in midlife to have these women who have been with me for so long and some are newer friends, but that we are out there, we are in each other's corner and we are sit, we're the ones saying when someone else is like, Oh, I don't think I could do it. You know, they're the ones that are saying, yes, yes, you can do it. So that's one thing. And the other thing I would say is, you know, now my story is a book and it's all been packaged and it's like a, what if year? And it feels like this huge change and it was a huge change, but it did not start out about a huge, as a huge change. And I think it started out with wanting to go to Broadway, wanting to do this one internship. I was going to be gone for a month. My family was going to be with me for the last two weeks. So I wasn't even leaving them for a whole month. And it was big, but it was, it was small. The first thing was really to just put a month in my calendar that was out of office and I'm going to be doing this project. And so I think just don't be paralyzed by the idea of a huge change. Just find the one small thing because that is the only way you can make a big change typically in the normal life, which is you make a lot of small changes and they lead you to a larger change. And so don't worry about changing your whole life. Don't worry about leaving your job or doing something drastic. Just pick the one small thing. Just find one thing because you are absolutely right when you say that the more you do things you're afraid of, the easier it becomes to do things you're afraid of. And I think that's right. The more you take a small chance, the easier it's going to be to say yes to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So just do it. Just get out there and do it. You will not regret it, whatever it is, even if it's that haircut that, you know, whatever, your hair will grow back. It's fine. Just do the thing. Absolutely. So surround yourself by positive people and friends. I know that's been so important. I have amazing girlfriends that are doing that. I just think it's so cool. So many midlife women are doing that and there are so many groups. So if you're listening, you need some support. Hey, let me know, go to my website, themidlifewhisper.com, hit the contact button. Let me know what is that thing that you are going to do. Maybe it is a trip. Maybe, you know, maybe it is writing a book or interning or doing something, but just doing that. I would say too, listen to your heart, listen to your intuition, because that thing that you want to do is there. You, you know, if you're like, I'm not sure what that thing is, spend some time thinking about it, journaling about it, asking that question, asking the universe, what is this thing? What is next for me? And notice what shows up for you. So Alicia, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, where can people connect with you? What's the best place to find you? I have tons of information on my website, uh, which is aliciafmiranda.com, all sorts of events coming up. I've got a retreat that's coming up next year for people who want to come to Scotland and actually have a what if adventure with me. Um, and I spend too much time on Instagram and that is at aliciafmiranda. Uh, so you can do that. And uh, you can listen to my podcast, Extra Shot, new episodes every week, interviews with fun people. It's like this, basically just, you know, slightly, slightly, uh, more uh, games where we make people uh, guess words in British accents and things like that. <laughs> so cool. And that's how we met on Instagram. So that's I am right. so grateful for your book and your energy and what you are doing to help women at Midlife. And you are certainly a woman who is rocking your midlife. And I want to let you know again that the show is sponsored by Vividly. Check them out at live-vividly.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have been inspired and empowered and that you are ready to go out and rock your midlife. I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. We'll catch you on the next episode. Midlife can be challenging. 
You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause or a health issue, and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stuck and wondering how to get your confidence, energy, and joy back. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I hear you and I've got you. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, registered dietitian, nutritionist, board-certified health and wellness coach, and mindful self-compassion teacher. I'm also an author and podcast host with over 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide inspiration and wisdom to help you transform your health, your mindset, your relationships, and your life so you can rock midlife. 